This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake, joined as always by Gabby Urrutia. Gabby, you survived your first early signing period that you had to handle by yourself, right? You were on staff last year, um, but we, we had Andrew Ivan, Ivans helping on the site as well last year. This was your first class, first, and it's not over, but first early signing period as the lead dog. Um, what'd you think? I mean, it, it, it was a grind, man, but, uh, you know, I, I really love this stuff and uh, I was happy to do it. And, you know, it, it was exciting, you know, just kind of following these guys around all year and, you know, just really sort of, you know, having that focus on who Miami's getting, especially down this last stretch where it got just more interesting with Mario Cristobal and having to, you know, sort of knowing they had a shot at a Nigel e. Kelly and, uh, you know, closing on Wesley Besaint and, uh, you know, even like a Jaden Harris, a guy that, you know, maybe surprised some fans. I think it's a, I think it was, it was definitely an exciting, you know, last few weeks of the cycle. And, uh, you know, it, it was cool sort of, you know, being able to handle it and, and run with it, man. It was a, it yeah. was a great opportunity and it was fun. It is. It's, it's a fun day, not only for fans to, to see who officially signs with their favorite teams, but, it's also just a big day for these uh, young men, right? Nice. It's if you ever, I know you went to Nigel Kelly yesterday, but anyone who ever has an opportunity to go to these uh, signing day ceremonies, it's always a very emotional deal, right? Um, these guys get to uh, pursue a free education and, you know, take the next step in their uh, pursuit of, trying to chase the dream of playing the game of football professionally. Right. So it's always a cool day to see the family of the young man come together, celebrate his accomplishments. Cause it is a lot of hard work to get to that point. Right. Um, these guys don't just wake up and uh, put their feet on the floor and they are big time high school football players. It's a lot of work leading up to this point. So just want to touch on that here on the front end, but, but let's, um, let's dive into Miami's class, right? So Miami started the week with eight commitments. They ended Wednesday night with eight commitments. Looks a little different, right? It's not the same eight that we started the week with. Um, we'll get into what happened, what changed there. But Miami started the early signing period ranked number 66 overall in the country with seven commits. Um, and that's because Landon Ibietta flipped from Miami to LSU the night before signing day. And congrats to him. That's a, that's a nice landing spot. And those type of things happen um, in coaching changes, right? And, and honestly, too, I think it validates Miami's evaluation of Landon um, right. You know, shout out to Rob Likens, who I think does a really good job with the wide receiver group, both from a recruiting standpoint and, um, you know, development standpoint. So anyways, Miami started the day with seven, number 66 over on the country early in the day. Falentia uh, Carswell flips from Miami to Ole Miss, which I feel like we kind of set the table for. Um, at that point, Miami dipped down to number 78 overall in the country. But from that point on, Miami added two guys on signing day, three-star cornerback Jaden Harris, who 
uh, Miami is excited about in terms of his upside. And then four-star top 100 defensive end, Nigel Lee Kelly. So let me just run through the accolades here of this class as things stand now. Um, Tuesday morning at 8.50 as we record this, right? Because the early signing period is still, still on through Friday. But as things stand now, Miami has eight commits, seven players being – seven of those players are four-star prospects. So the class average score is a 91.65. Um, that average score in the ACC only trails Clemson at a 92.07 and narrowly trails North Carolina at a 91.7. So this class is small, but it does have quality to it. Um, North Carolina has the best class amongst ACC teams. Right now, they are number eight overall in the country. Clemson uh, got hit by some decommits, right, within the last week. They are now down to number 17 in the country, um, number three in the ACC. But I do think it's worth noting they do have a five-star quarterback who signed um, Cade Klubnik, who I think is the number one quarterback in the class this year, according to the composite. So, again, it's a small class. I think Mario Cristobal and his staff aren't done adding to it between Friday and um, the February signing day, right? Um, so we will see how they build this out. Let's um, let's start quickly, I guess, with the flips, um, and we'll start with Flip Carswell to Ole Miss. It seemed like things were trending that way. Um, how much did that one hurt, you think? Yeah, um, flip flipped. I mean, I guess it was always destined to be that way. Uh, I mean, it, I don't know if it stung a ton. I, I did like him as a developmental prospect. I never like. Yeah. I don't think anyone thought he was a plug and play type of dude. Uh, this is a six foot seven, uh, you know, two hundred and seventy five pounder. Garen Justice was really high on him, David. I know you have an interesting nugget there that you threw on the board uh, at twenty four uh, inside the U. You know that even Garen Justice might have been calling to say, yeah. "Hey, like, you know, I think you should go to Miami, Crystal Ball, and Mirabal are some of the best offensive linemen." The kid wanted to go to Ole Miss. It seemed like that was sort of in his heart from the time that he took that official visit uh, to Oxford at some point uh, in the fall. And then, you know, they were just able to sort of close the deal there. So that was his decision, and you kind of got to respect it. Yeah, like you said, you know, I was told Carswell's high school coach really was pushing him to Miami. Also, like you mentioned, in the days leading up to the early signing period, I was told Garen Justice put in a strong word for Miami, saying, look, you'd be crazy to not go to Miami. Mario, Cristob Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal are some of the best developers of offensive linemen in the country. Even though I'm not going to be there, I still think that's the best spot for you. But obviously, I think the Ole Miss thing was kind of in motion here for the last month or so, as you alluded to. Yeah. Um, so now, I mean, Miami, we'll get into this later, but I do think Miami is going to heavily chase some offensive linemen here over the next six weeks. Um, Landon Ibieta, you know, I think, we can just leave this simply at um, he got the LSU offer. I mean, he might have flipped somewhere else anyways, but luckily for him, he got a big-time offer in state school, and he just had to make that move, right? Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. You know, I feel like if LSU ever offered, that was always going to be tough as a Louisiana kid that, you know, played for the, the bootleggers. Uh, you know, they were color colors were basically like LSU colors. You know, I feel like it's – those Louis, those Louisiana kids really grow up wanting to play for LSU. So, you know, again, maybe if that offer came, it would have happened anyways. Maybe it wouldn't have. I don't know. But, um, you know, down this last week, or at least with the coaching change, it seemed like things were trending in the direction that Landon Ibieta wouldn't wasn't going to be in the class. And again, another guy I liked. Uh, I don't think he's a bad player. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would I was I, I'm not going to qualify him as a as a drop or anything. I think that he's, you know, but he found you know he landed on his feet at a at a top SEC program and. You know, yes. good for him. I'm sure him and his family are ecstatic about, you know, being able to play for the Tigers. So let's talk about the the guys that Miami did pick up uh, on Wednesday, right? And so when we recorded our quick podcast, right, just kind of setting the table for what Wednesday or and this week might look like, um, 
We did not discuss Jaden Harris, the three-star cornerback out of the Atlanta area. You started getting smoke on that around maybe six o'clock Tuesday night. So take us through just your understanding of how everything came together. Remind people, you know, Jaden Harris took an official visit to Miami, et cetera, et cetera. And just what does Miami think they're getting in him? Right. Yeah. Jaden Harris was an interesting situation. He did officially visit that weekend of December 3rd. So it was, uh, you know, where he finished his visit that Sunday, that Monday, Manny Diaz was let go. Um, So I didn't know if he was sort of like a casualty of the coaching change. And, you know, with, you know, I I just didn't know how that was going to look, you know, it quickly turned around into Mario Cristobal. And, you know, I didn't know what the coaching staff was going to look like. I didn't know if he was going to be someone that they were going to pursue. I started getting, yeah, basically what you said, David, I started getting word, you know, basically Tuesday night that, uh, you know, that he could be a guy that ends up committing to Miami. And I checked in with, you know, sources inside there and they're like, yeah, you know, like we're, we're in on him and all those types of things. And, you know, I called the kid and he said, yeah, it's going to be Miami. And, so, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, perhaps it was probably in the works um, and, uh, you know, just one of those things that worked out. I think he's a good player, man. You know, I think uh, you know, really when you look at the past few cycles, cornerback was just not really uh, addressed. I mean, the 2021 class, it was only Malik Curtis, who was an extreme project at cornerback, right. just given the fact that he only played wide receiver. So I'm all for getting bodies, getting guys that you like, uh, that you believe can play here and filling the class with them. So you know, obviously have those two big time guys at the top. I think Jaden Harris is a, you know, a late riser, a guy that, you know, basically from the week of Halloween forward, picked up a bunch of power five offers. He was a first team, you know, all re- all region, uh, you know, in Georgia's 6A class, which is the second highest classification over there. You know, I thought he made a bunch of plays. I think he had five interceptions. He had like nine uh, pass breakups, uh, five touchdowns on offense, got it done on special teams too as a return man. So, you know, I think yeah. that this is a, this is definitely an intriguing talent. You know, it's probably not going to wow you from the stars. And I think that's mostly because when you are a kid that starts to blow up in, you know, August, I mean, October, November, uh, you know, I think that, you know, that in, you, you're going to get initially evaluated. Again, I'm not saying he's underranked or anything like that, but I think he's someone that could end up outplaying his ranking. Yeah, he's a late he, bloomer. Yeah, he's a late bloomer. And, you know, he's he with T-Rob and Demarcus Van Dyke, those guys like him. I know T-Rob really likes him. And, uh, you know, I remember him taking, you know, maybe a lower ranked guy in J.C. Horn and turning him into a first round pick. So, again, not saying this kid's J.C. Horn, but we've seen T-Rob do stuff with, uh, you know, similar talents before. Yeah, his huddle, I'd recommend everyone go watching it, his highlights, if you haven't already. He does make plays, right? He, like you said, I think he has good ball skills. And uh, the thing I like about him and I like about corners in general is if they can if they're used on special teams in the return role and if they can generate uh, touchdowns in that role, he definitely does that. So he, he has some playmaking ability. Um, I am curious about his top end speed. I am curious though. I mean, can that improve a touch, right? If, if he can improve his top end speed just a little bit more at the college level, I think he can be a starting caliber corner down the road for Miami. So I think it's a good take as well. Um, And then the other guy Miami picked up, of course, everyone knows top 100 local four-star defensive end, Nigel Kelly. Um, You were at that announcement, Gabby, take us through just uh, what you saw and, and maybe what Nigel said afterwards that, that stood out to you. Yeah, um, I mean, just it was, it was just a big announcement thing. I know some people were watching live. Some people were expecting to watch it on CBS Sports HQ. I guess that never happened. But, you know, they did the whole announcement where, like, four guys made decisions. One guy signed with Western Carolina, another with UConn. Devon Mortimer flipped from Florida State to Louisville. And then they had Nigelique. And, you know, it was a really cool event. You know, they had all the guys dressed real sharp in these red jackets and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it was it, it's just a huge pickup for Miami in terms of just – you know, what, I mean, consider just a trade-off. I mean, you got two, uh, Flip Carswell and Landon Ibieta were at the, really at the bottom of Miami's class. You basically flip those guys for Nigel E. Kelly, who's at the top of the class in terms of the composite ranking. Yeah. And then a Jaden Harris, who's another bottom of the class guy, but still a talent that we like. But, um, you know, I thought it was really, I thought it was a really cool thing with Nigel E. And, you know, to see his family, you know, really happy and smiling and, 
you know, feeling good about his decision there. It's not one of those things where you kind of saw one person off to the side, like Matt or mom, like, you know, everyone seemed fully bought in into Miami. And, um, you know, it was, it was a really, really cool thing for them. And to see him throw up the U was, was something special for sure. Some of the quotes I saw, I mean, this wasn't a surprise to us, but the fact that he just straight up said it after the announcement was he wasn't really feeling the Manny Diaz staff or vibe. Um, and he basically said, you know, look, if, if Mario Cristobal was still in Oregon, I probably would have picked Oregon, right? Yeah, I think that was the overall consensus, right? Like, I think that's what made Mario, like Mario Cristobal, I put it on like the tweet that I did, like Mario Cristobal was the difference maker. If right. he, if Mario Cristobal is at Oregon, Nigel Kelly signed with Oregon yesterday. Uh, you know, he, he, they had developed a really good relationship. You even heard the way Mario Cristobal talked about Nigel Kelly and, you know, his mom and hosting them in Eugene, you know, just multiple times and how good of a relationship that they had. You can tell that Nigel Kelly was fully sort of in on Mario Cristobal, whether that was at Miami, whether that was at Oregon, lucky for Miami, you're keeping one of the top defensive linemen uh, in the country home. And uh, a guy that you desperately needed to add to your class, you needed to land. Like when we were pounding the table all cycle, you needed to land at least one of these elite defensive linemen. And you did that on Wednesday. You, you signed Nigel E. Kelly, who, you know, I think everyone is, is very high on and should be really, really excited to bring. Uh, again, Cristobal talked about setting the edges and having to dominate the edges. This is the guy that helps you do that. Maybe you need a few more of them, you know, throughout his tenure. But Nigel E. Kelly is a, is a really, really good start. You've seen him play. What do you like most about him? What do you, what's the biggest trait he brings to the table in your opinion? Yeah, man, his motor runs hot. He just kind of goes, 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 uh, you know, he's kind of a really quiet kid. If you, if you, if you talk to him or you just see, sort of see him operate, you can tell he's just like a more reserved type of dude, but he gets on the field and he just, he just attacks, man. He is extremely physical. He's just very explosive off the, off the ball. He just really just gets after the quarterback. He does such a good job of just getting after the quarterback. I remember watching him against St. Thomas Aquinas, and I think this is one of his top plays on, like, his senior highlights, where it's kind of like a, a zone read type thing, and he just kind of just completely blows it up and just eats yeah. up Zion Turner. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's, just, he's just an elite talent. He's just – and he's young, and I think that's probably the one thing that a lot of people don't understand is that I think – I think during the summer. So I believe he's an early enrollee. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I don't want to like, just say that, but um, like this summer, like this coming summer when he's going to be at Miami, he's still going to be 17 years old. Like he doesn't turn seven. He's not going to turn 18 till like probably like the fall of his, like, you know, that first full season, that 2022 season. So this is a kid that's still really young. He could easily be a 2023. And I just think his ceiling is so high, man. I think his ceiling is so high. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about Miami adding him for sure. So you mentioned the St. Thomas game. One of the players who plays for St. Thomas, Julian Armella, right? There was a little bit of Miami smoke. I mean, you reported um, some interesting things from a Miami perspective on Armella on Wednesday morning. Again, four-star offensive tackle out of St. Thomas Aquinas. I think going into Wednesday, it was widely expected that he would sign with Florida state, which is where his father played. Um, so there's certainly that strong tie there. Take us through just what happened Wednesday morning and how it played out at the end of the day with Julian Armella. Yeah. So a report started coming out, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> reports started coming out Wednesday morning that Julian Armella was going to push his signing back to February and me just kind of being curious, you know, knowing who's in Coral Gables right now with Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal, who are two fantastic offensive line guys. Um, I called up, you know, one of my sources at St. Thomas and, you know, he told me that, you know, that Mario Cristobal, as recently as Monday, that Mario Cristobal and uh, Mirabal were giving him something to think about, that they were, you know, sort of like he was he was having that discussion with this guy saying, like, you know, I. I I don't know what to do because of Mario Cristobal and these guys, like they're pushing. So I like just talking to the guy, he made it seem like that could be a reason why he was pushing it back. So I reported that, that, you know, I think Mario Cristobal and Miami are involved in this and that could be a part of, so, you know, the hesitation to sign. So Armella, like I said, was going to sign Wednesday morning, right? right? With Florida state. And then it started leaking out. No, he's going to push back and maybe sign 
in February. So that's why you checked in. So then yeah, what happened later in the day? Yes, that, that's why I checked in. And I guess later in the day, um, you know, he just randomly posted on Instagram that he had a huge announcement at 945 uh, p.m. Eastern time. So again, me knowing what I had just heard early in the day, I start getting on the phones and, um, you know, talking to people and, you know, the same, the same guy said, you know, he's like, I haven't talked to him today. Um, but you know, I think, I think maybe it could be, I don't really, I really don't know what it's going to do. So I pick up the phone and I'm calling people at Florida state and Florida state's like, yeah, the Florida state people were like, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what happened. No one's really heard anything yet. Florida was just kind of like, I don't know what's happening. LSU. I don't know what's happening. Auburn. I don't know what's happening. So I, I, just, I mean, I didn't assume or anything, but I thought it was possible based on the intel that I had gone all day that maybe he was going to pick Miami. So as like sort of like the hour and a, the hour and a half leading up to his official commitment, I get a phone call back from St. Thomas Aquinas, and they're basically like, "It's going to be Florida State. He's just going to do it. He's just going to pick right. Florida State." And he went to dinner with his family. I guess they talked it over, and he just decided to just get it over with and just do it now. So. You know, just the ups and downs of of signing day and of right. recruiting, especially in South Florida. So that's just how things go. I it do think sh- that Mario Cristobal stuff was legit, and I know that he was really considering it. So I don't want to just like dismiss that as just like right nothing. And new. to me, that's the point, right? I think if and if Mario Cristobal is a full cycle of recruiting a Julian Armella type, probably the end result is going to be different, right? That's that's kind of how I interpret that wild roller coaster with Julian Armella on Wednesday. So good luck to him at Florida state. Um, Let's talk about Miami's class in general. And let's like, what I want to do, Gabby is break it into tiers, right? Um, And and let's just start with the top tier and let's just call it the elite tier. And and that can be however you want to define it. I'll define it as guys that I feel like, have a really, really good shot at playing in the NFL in the future. Yeah. Um, so you, I'll let you, you go first. Who are the guys in this class that you would classify in that elite tier for Miami? Yeah. I mean, just with, just in terms of being elite, like I think you absolutely put Nigel Kelly. I think you put Wesley Besaint. Uh, I would put Chris Graves, honestly, again, I know I'm really, really high on his skill set and all those types of things. Uh, I do think he might have some maturing to do overall, but I think if he puts it all together, I think he he has probably potentially highest ceiling, you know, in the class. Um, I'm I'm hesitant to put Jakari Brown in there because if we're talking elite, and of course he still has a lot of skills that he needs to brush up on. But again, he, he's a guy that if he puts it all together, I think he has like big time, big time potential. So he would probably be the floor or the buffer between that elite to that next tier for me is uh, Jakari Brown. So yeah, I would, I would name all those four guys as elite. I I think Jakari Brown is elite. I think Nigel Lee Kelly is elite. I think Wesley is elite, and I think Chris Graves is elite. So we're pretty much on the same line of thinking there. I want to ask you this: like during the Mario Cristobal press conference on Wednesday, right? Just reading between the lines. It seemed to me, Gabby, that he, like, I think if, if we were to ask him, you know, we gave him truth serum and we asked him, which player do you think is the best player you signed? I'm curious if, if reading between the lines, you picked up on anyone that he seemed very, very excited about. Wesley the Saint? Agreed. That's, that, that's who I think he thinks is, is the biggest guy he got yeah. locked and, up and- right now. Well, a part of the reason why is because he, I mean, at one point he also said he's been doing a lot of the roster assessment too. So I wonder if he just thinks that he's the most important piece in this class because he knows what basically we all know and that the the linebacker room just isn't good enough. And he highlighted, he highlighted two guys as immediate impact potential guys. One was Wesley. Did you pick up on the other one? He said. The other one, was it, I mean, I'm assuming Nigel League? Graves. Graves, okay. He said Graves has a chance to be an immediate impact guy too at corner. So, but yeah, it, it's, he, he gushed more about Wesley than even Graves, right? Like it's, to me, it, 
it's pretty clear that Besaint is going to have a real opportunity to start oh, as yeah. a true freshman. You agree? Oh yeah. The way he talked about him, like the way he talked about, about him, like off the field stuff was just, right. was pretty cool. Which I agree. I think, look, he has the talent. He has the mentality. Wesley's a very mature guy. Super. Yeah. Um, to me, the only thing, and, and I don't think it's going to be an issue, but how much can he build up his body um, right. between now and the and the start of next season you know again i don't think it's going to be an issue but he needs to he you know the wear and tear of a college football season especially if that position's a real thing so you know getting up to maybe 215 220 um is going to be a key for him i think in terms of being a freshman starter a true freshman starter right Uh, um so who would you say is like that next tier we'll call the next tier like you know a college starter is there yeah. go ahead i mean yeah I, I could see really the rest of the class being like potential college starters i mean i think kamari rogers you know he's coming off that acl injury uh it's probably why i probably keep him off like that top group just because you never really know how that goes and then you got you know markeith williams who you know i think it's a it's a crowded safety room but i think he's a guy that has you know he's talented yeah he's talented enough and he's long and he's rangy and he's made a ton of plays throughout the high school you know, throughout his high school career. And then Isaiah Horton and Jaden Harris are guys that, again, like if Jaden Harris puts it all together, who knows? And I'm not saying he's going to be a starter as a freshman or even as a second year, but, you know, down the road in his career, I could see him being a guy that eventually helps Miami that way. And Isaiah Horton, I mean, we, we've talked about it, David. How many six foot three, 200 plus pounders does Miami have on this roster? I think right. by the time Horton is settled in and stuff, again, I don't expect him to you know, be an instant impact guy. But, you know, by the time he has a year in this strength program, I, he's going to be one of those six, three, 200 plus pounders that right. you know, Miami's probably needed to add to this roster. So, um, you know, I think that down the road, he could be someone that, that helps Miami, you know, on the boundary. If you're going to pick one of those guys that proves us wrong in terms of ends up being in the elite category at the end of the day, right? At the end of his career. Which one of those guys would you pick? Oh, that's good. I mean, I might go, I might go Kamari Rogers. I mean, you know, he's one of the highest ranked, he's the second highest ranked player in the class. I mean, the composite has him as a number 103 overall player, uh, the number 14 cornerback, you know, his like going into like his junior year and into his senior year, you know, people were extremely high on him. I mean, we forget that Notre Dame, Michigan, uh, you know, again, the in-state schools, Ole Miss, Mississippi state, uh, Texas A&M were on him at one point, Tennessee, I mean, this is, this is a guy that had almost every offer in the country. So again, you know, if he were to come back off that ACL injury and, you know, just sort of, you know, he's going to have to put on weight. He definitely has a slight frame. He's listed at 165. I'd probably go closer to 160, uh, maybe even, you know, trimmer than that. Uh, I think if he's able to get up to like maybe like 180 or something like that, you know, just throughout the course of his career, I can see him being uh, an impact guy because I think he has, I think he has big time coverage skills in terms of just like man to man coverage skills. I saw him, you know, I mean, I watched Jalen Brown, the five-star 2023 wide receiver a lot. He probably covered him as good as anybody that I saw throughout the seven on seven circuit at that battle Miami tournament, you know, earlier in the year, I think it was like late January, early February. And, uh, you know, he did a really good job covering Keon Graves too at that tournament who was uh, headed to Ohio state now. So, you know, I think that when he, when he puts it all together, he can be a big time talent. I'll go Markeith Williams, the safety. Um, Again, I think it's, it's to me, the question with him is kind of a, a slighter frame. Um, but if he, can, if he can get up to that 190 range, uh, 195, I think he, you know, I think he has very good instincts in terms of coverage, um, you know, positioning, understanding where he needs to be to make plays on the ball. And, and I think he's a willing tackler, even though he is a little bit slight. Um, and as you alluded to, he's going to have to wait his time, right? Because the safety room is talented, but credit to him for embracing that competition because it, it's, it's only going to make him better if he pushes himself to try and take their jobs. Um, let's, uh, let's wrap up this, this class that is signed, sealed, and delivered here for Miami as things stand now with this. If you're going to pick let's say we're projecting, I don't know, three, four, five years from now, however long it takes these guys. Um, of these eight guys signed Tuesday morning 
who are you picking to be the top NFL draft pick and why? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd, I think I'd go Nigel Lee Kelly. Uh, you just think about position value, what he plays, that sort of, you know, th- that defensive line, uh, potential, like, you know, defensive end, edge type of guy. Uh, you know, just considering the fact that he's the highest rated player in the class, and I just think he's an absolute freak talent. Um, you know, he also plays a premium position and, uh, you know, a position that the NFL people value, especially, you know, in higher draft slots. So, I mean, I would not be surprised to see Nigel E. Kelly. I would, I, w- I would honestly be pretty surprised if it wasn't Nigel E. Kelly. Uh, I could see maybe some other guys like, I mean, again, I'm not trying to make some crazy comparisons, but let's say Jakari Brown completely puts it all together. Like, you know, the perfect development and all That's that stuff. That's my pick. That's yeah, my pick. Because he could be, I'm not saying Cam Newton, but I mean, he could be like that type of dude where, you know, he is just a freaky, intriguing quarterback you know, option for NFL guys. My pick is Jakari and uh, I'm betting on him because I know his mentality, right? And if you look at the, there is a little bit of a trend going on, right? With NFL draft quarterbacks. Um, A lot of NFL teams in recent years are betting on guys that are big, fast, strong. Right. So big frames have big arms. They might be a little bit raw in terms of, I don't know, mechanics or or reading defenses. But against these modern NFL defenses, which are getting more and more athletic each year, you need athletes that can uh, make plays on their own. Right. Um, When things go off schedule. And look, Jakari does have a ways to go. Um, he would be the first way, first one to uh, recognize that. But he's a guy with a big frame. You know, everyone uh, who's on Twitter, right, saw the picture of him when Mario went to go visit him at Lounge, and, and he's yeah. standing next to Mario. He's a bigger dude than Mario, and Mario's a big dude. So he is, I think he's all of 6'4". I think he has the frame to get to 225 at least. We all know he's extremely athletic. We all know he has a big arm. Um, And obviously, too, I'm kind of betting on the value of quarterbacks, right? They get pushed up the draft simply because of their position. Um, And then, you know, he has the mentality. He's a hard worker. He is a football junkie. He cares about being good at football. I look at guys like Trey Lance. I look at guys like Justin Herbert. Yeah. I look at guys like Josh Allen. I say Josh Allen, yeah. I look at guys like Carson Wentz, right? These are big frame guys who have athleticism to them. Um, they came to the NFL level pretty raw, um, but there's a you know there, it's it's clay that NFL coaches want to mold. Um, so they're not. I think NFL people now are not necessarily looking for a quote unquote finished products. They're willing to kind of take these guys that they feel like are only going to continue to develop at the NFL level. And uh, again, I believe in Jakari's mentality. He's got a ways to go. I don't think he should be starting at Miami until year three of his time at Miami, which sets up nicely because Tyler Van Dyke's still here. Jake Garcia still here. Um, I think Jakari should be after those guys, but if he grinds, which I think he will behind the scenes works at his craft, um, he's going to be big time. I think at the college level. So my pick would be Jakari Brown. Um, let's quickly discuss like the big news uh, on early signing right and it it's a little bit of a tie-in with miami because it's it you know had to deal do with miami's biggest rival in florida state so number one player in the country travis hunter uh flips to jackson state right Deion sanders school it's been reported i mean even though this technically i mean it's not it's kind of against the rules for nil to be recruiting inducements um it's kind of been hinted that Travis Hunter is going to Jackson state because of a, you know, million dollar plus deal that Dion 
has helped provide through his barstool sports connections. Right. Um, so it's a new era, um, with, with Travis Hunter flipping, you know, making a statement going from a a power five program with history and tradition and all that flipping to a place where, you know, he's going, I mean, he is going to get, he is going to get good coaching from Deion Sanders. Let's not act like he's not going to get developed there. And also, too, let's not act like Jackson State is not a good um, FCS program right now, right? Yeah, I think sure. I, I think they're eleven and one, but it's still a major difference in terms of programs as as we know them now, right? So, what do we? Let's take this big picture. What what do you think this means for college football in general? What what was your takeaway from that move? Yeah, that was just absolutely just nuts to watch the, just the whole development of that and how that just sort of all came together like in an hour uh, in terms of just like it being rumored to it actually happening. I mean, I think I don't know what it does for college football because um, are, are more guys going to make a decision like this? Is like the like I think I, I heard Andrew say it on CBS uh, HQ. Like, is this going to be like the popular thing now that every t- top 2023 20, recruit is going to have Jackson state in their, you know, top group their top fives or whatever it is. Uh, maybe I think, I think that it could be, uh, but ultimately I think that, you know, this is a very, I also, on the other hand, think that this is a very specific situation in terms of the dollar amount that's being you right. know, reported that Travis Hunter is getting. Um, I'm not going to, I mean, with all the respect to Jackson state, you know, and all that stuff, I have, zero doubt in my mind that he would not be going there if it had not been for that money. I don't think that right. was something that I he was just fair. like, I don't think he was just making a statement saying, Oh, I'm going to Jackson state because I want to go to Jackson state. I think he's clearly going to Jackson state because he's potentially getting more, like a couple million dollars. Um, so I think that's something to consider. And it, maybe if Jackson state once a year is going to just invest in someone like this, maybe I could see something like this happening maybe a little bit more well, often. What about like beyond Jackson State, right? Like, don't you think, I mean, Alabama, Georgia, these yeah. teams that do have money, I mean, we're it's going to start, I mean, it's already been happening, as Jimbo right. said yesterday. Yeah, of course. It's and that's just the thing. now on the table, right? Yeah, it just seems like it's just now out in the open and it's just as open as it's ever been before. Um I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because, like, I mean, are all these schools that can probably get, you know, not Travis Hunter-esque talents, but a lot of big-time talents like that and maybe don't have to write these, you know, seven-figure checks to get them. I I don't know how it changed. I think it's going to be extremely interesting to monitor to see how – I mean, I I think that the decision Travis Hunter made changes recruiting. I think it changes college football in a way. Like, I think yesterday was a historic moment. But – I'm still sort of in wait and see mode to see how exactly this impacts. Does Eddie George try to get in on this now? Like is, you know, does Tennessee state try to get a, a top running back recruit to say, Hey, come play for Eddie George. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how this is going to work now. Um, yeah, I know there's rumors that he might try to go get someone else. Um, I mean, I don't, I, I really don't know how this is going to play out. I, I don't even know how to feel about this completely. I'm happy for Jackson state. I think it's an awesome move. I think it's huge that, He's going to go play over there for an HBCU and all that stuff. But I mean, what does it mean for college football? I have no idea yet. I'm really excited means, for, I think it just means guys are going to get paid. Right. I mean, guys are, getting, guys are definitely, that's gonna get, it. Well, we saw what Texas did with the offensive linemen. Right. I mean, these, these dudes are going to talk start about that. Money. So is what they get. They each got $50,000. Yeah. I don't, yeah. They each get, I think $50,000. Um, I mean, I don't think it's coincidence that Texas A&M in like three days suddenly signed like the best offensive line class in the country. Texas, not Texas. Texas, Yeah, I'm sorry. Texas, I'm sorry. Texas A&M signed the defensive line class, which was insane. But Texas signed the best offensive line class in the country between Malik Ogbo, who's a name Miami fans are familiar with, Kelvin Banks, who who Miami fans that were following along sort of know about now because he was committed to Oregon, Cameron Williams, uh, same deal, and uh, a few other guys that they already had in the mix. I mean, it's it's a big, big time offensive line class and i mean i don't think it's a secret that that fifty thousand nil deal uh you know influenced that right for offensive linemen they had some nil deal where any offensive lineman that comes to texas they get fifty thousand bucks so what do what do we think this means for miami right and and where mine where my mind goes immediately 
let me say this too. I mean, obviously Mario Cristobal was, was asked about this on his press conference and honestly, he, he said he's good with it. Like he, he understands that this is where college football's going. And so he hopes he did rec- like he did say like, look, I am not allowed to be involved with NIL deals at all. Cause those are the rules, I guess, in the state of Florida. But he did say, look, I hope that people who are allowed, right, the boosters or people that support the program or want to support the program have a plan because this is where things are going. We right. have to have plans for these guys. And where my mind goes from a Miami perspective is uh, local five-star defensive lineman Shamar Stewart, right? What do you think this NIL, you know, Travis Hunter getting that big – big bag good for him uh to jackson state what does this mean for miami's pursuit of a shamar stewart in your opinion yeah i mean it's interesting right because i mean i think someone reported like so someone like linked his name to jackson state too um i mean i think miami again like you need to start figuring something out in a way that you can make miami even more attractive and you know at this point where it's sort of a free-for-all if you need to entice people with money and you yeah. need to create some sort of NIL deal to, right. to get people make to the come. NCAA flinch, right? Like right. they're not, they're not going to enforce anything. If we're being of course. I mean, if they're not going to enforce this Travis Hunter thing, I mean, they're, it, it basically becomes a free for all because I mean, who's going to stop someone from saying, Hey, um, every defensive lineman that commits to Miami um, gets, you know, again, 20, $25,000, whatever it is, $30,000. I'm not saying it's something crazy like Texas, like just something something like that. And it's, you kind of have to go that way. Like you're like, really teams are going to have to start going that way. I mean, it's almost unavoidable now. It's the way that college football is going. It's almost like, you know, pay for play, I guess. I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do at this point. You can't be left behind in this era. I mean, Mario Cristobal said on Wednesday, you can't fall behind. Like you need to get out ahead of this type of stuff. You need to be, you need to be under, you have to understand the landscape and what's coming and how it's going to change and how it's going to be ever changing. And I think that with that, you need to be willing to get with it. And again, if they're willing to invest this much money into the program, and if there's people on the outside that are, you know, wrote the biggest check to a college football coach Miami's ever seen, and the resources and all these things, you need to have someone willing to say, here's a budget for recruiting. I mean, let's call it what it is. Here's the, here's what we acquisition. Here's the talent acquisition budget and call it what it is. And you can attach it to a business and whatever it is. But I mean, this is just the reality of the way recruiting and high school football and you know college football is going at this point. So, do you think this hurts, helps, doesn't change Miami with Shamar Stewart? I mean, I think we'll see. Um, I still don't think that he's going to sign this week, so I still right. think that this is a recruitment that's going to go into February. Um, but there again, needs to be a plan, is what I'm saying. Like, right. he, his eyes have been open now, right? Yeah. So, he's got to figure he, something out. Miami going to get in this game, I guess, is, is the question. Yeah, they, they, pro- they will probably have to. Right. They will probably have to. If they're going to land them. So land just them. to review, right, Texas A&M firmly in the mix there. Miami probably in the mix. Yeah. Who, who else would be in the mix, do you think? Georgia? Georgia? I mean, I don't know if – like, I haven't talked to Shamar, but, like, is his name actually – like, if his Jackson name is really – yeah, like I don't know. Like I'm, I'm at the point where I just don't know. Like is Jackson State like, let's say right. he drops a top, a top group of schools or whatever it is. Like he said he had an announcement. Let's say it's you know Miami, Texas A&M, um, another school, uh, maybe a three or a four. Like is Jackson State going to be in there? Like is that going to be something he's going to entertain at this point with his name being linked to this? Um, he sent out a tweet last night, like when. Like when so- something that when you hear Jackson, I don't know, I can't remember exactly what it was, but he entertained. Right. The Jackson State, like he he literally talked about it publicly, basically. Right. He entertained it publicly. So, I mean, maybe I don't I'm not really sure exactly what this is going to look like, but I wouldn't be surprised if like a school like Jackson State is now suddenly like a real conversation in that household. Right. It'll be interesting to follow. Um, again, we probably expect Shamar to sign in February unless. Again, unless he gets like a multimillion dollar NIL deal and they want them to sign this week. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. I think we're going to learn quickly, right. What Miami's plan is or whoever has to make the plan for all this stuff. 
And, uh, you know, look, if Miami has a plan, I think they're going to come out just fine during this era, right? And like you said, they've shown the willingness to invest. This is one of those investment avenues they have to um, be willing to throw money at. So let's take a break and we will spin things forward. We talked a little bit about Shamar Stewart, who's a name to know moving forward as well. Um, But we'll talk about other guys here to know. As far as we know right now, Thursday morning, because there's going to be more names, I'm sure, here popping up in the coming weeks, days. Um, But after the break, we'll get into those names. All right, we are back. Gabby, Mario said, Mario Cristobal said on his Wednesday press conference that he kind of wants 16 to 20 guys total in this class. I think that includes transfers, right? So he said it could be more than 20, but 16 to 20 is kind of the number to, to look at. So basically double or a little more than double of what they have now. So let's spin it forward and let's let's talk about the guys who I think, you know, are, are either going to officially announce later this week or still have a chance to announce at an all-star game and enroll early at Miami, right? So let's start with Alabama tight end commit Jaleel Skinner, who pushed back his announcement slash signing to Friday, which is the last day of this early signing period. What's the latest vibes you're feeling there? Yeah, I actually talked to someone in Coral Gables about Skinner last night, just to sort of touch base with them about how they're feeling. Um, A lot of people expect him to stick with Alabama. At least that's what, you know, maybe some of the national people are saying. I think that there's still some confidence uh, in Miami. Like, you know, there's some people that still feel good. Again, um, I think he's thinking. I think he's thinking about Miami. I think he's thinking about the idea of playing here. And again, given the window that Mario Cristobal had to work with, I think that's big. Because again, what you mentioned to Julian Armella, you feel like with a full cycle, maybe he gets it done. And that's something to look forward to for maybe the 2023 class and the 2024 class and moving forward. Um, I don't, I wouldn't bet that he lands at Miami right now. I would probably, I think the safe bet is that he is going to stick with Alabama, but I think it's notable that he's waiting until Friday. And I do believe that he's really giving this some, some legitimate thought. I think if he was just sold on Alabama and he wasn't really considering it, I think it would have been an easy Wednesday morning signing or one of those types of things. Like everyone else is a majority of people have, have done. So um, I think that he's giving himself some time to, to really consider this and, I think Miami still feels like, you know, they have a shot at least. So they have Alabama has 22 of their commits signed, sealed, delivered. They're still waiting, I guess, as of what Thursday morning on their, on two of their commits with Julio Skinner and Walter Bob, who's a defensive lineman out of Louisiana. So Typically, Alabama doesn't get surprised. And so we will see how this goes on Friday. Um, but again, Miami still feels like they're in the game, which, you know, look, you give a guy like Mario Cristobal more time to recruit. I think that's going to be a good thing. Um, can he pull it off? We'll see. Top 50 wide receiver Kevin Coleman out of St. Louis, right? Um, Mario Cristobal, when I asked him, what are the positions you're, you're kind of targeting to, to finish out your class, to build it out? He did mention he wants a wide receiver that can take a three-yard hitch, 60 yards. I don't know. I wonder who he's talking about there. He can't can't name names. Uh, But Kevin Coleman, right? Where do do you think Miami stands? Because there's like – there's shakeups happening, of course, at Florida State. Right. Which is is also domino effect of Oregon. Explain just what you're thinking of, you know, what's, what's to be expected there with Kevin Coleman moving forward. Yeah. I think that domino effect is, is a big deal because again, Oregon was a school that was heavily in the mix when Mario Cristobal was there. He comes down to Miami. Um, so he gives Miami a look, but then Florida state offensive coordinator who Coleman was really considering playing for goes back. Like he's going to Oregon now. Kenny so like Dillingham. Is Oregon, Kenny Dillingham, he's at Oregon now. So um, the, there's an interesting intertwinement of this recruitment 
And I don't know if that puts Oregon back uh, in the mix of this. I'm sure that, you know, it, it, it may. Uh, I, what I'm understanding or just what I'm gathering is that I think Miami's in a good spot. And uh, again, I think Mario Cristobal has a lot to do with that. I know we've hinted that Brian McClendon, uh, the wide receiver coach at Oregon, is another guy who could potentially join this Mario Cristobal staff. I think there's a really good relationship there. Um, you know, Josh I did Newton, see, yeah, let me ahead. say this, and I don't know if it's real, but I, it did come across my timeline by someone that might, it might be real. Uh, you know, I think Kenny Dillingham, who's at Oregon now, is, is working at trying to keep McClendon at Oregon. So can he pull it off? I don't know. Again, like you said, Miami's, Miami kind of a week ago, Miami expected him to come with Mario. Right. So that could be another interesting twist in this, in this Coleman dynamic. Yeah. I think, I think that would help Oregon a lot. I'm sure that that would right, be, uh, right. that would be big for Oregon. I think that that may be enough for them. I, I really don't know, but I think that there's some confidence, at least from people on the Florida state side who've been covered, have been covering the Coleman recruitment all the way through because he's been a guy that, you know, that they've sort of circled that they sort of went big fish hunting for um that and there's some confidence that you know he ends up at Miami just based on like all the movement and everything that's sort of coming around there from Florida and State side. from the Florida State side yeah so um again I know we talked about that on the last pod I don't know I think that just again he's probably not even going to sign anything he could just wait until his the the All-American game on January 8th and then enroll at a school I heard that that's a potential route that he takes right. So I think that there's still even a few weeks left in, in this recruitment to see how this sort of goes. And then uh, four-star edge rusher out of Las Vegas, Cyrus Moss. He's a guy, too, that's expected to announce at an All-American game. But he did say, he tweeted that he's, still, he's going to sign Friday yeah. with his future school. And then what's going to happen then is things will be kept under wraps by that school and by Cyrus Moss until that All-American game, right? So, again, during his uh, Wednesday press conference, Mario Cristobal also mentioned he wants to add some athletic, long, twitchy edge rushers in this class. I wonder who he's talking about there. Maybe yeah. the six foot six, 220-pound Cyrus Moss out of Las Vegas Bishop Gorman. What do we feel about that one? Yeah, I think it was pretty obvious that Cyrus Moss and Kevin Coleman were the two guys that he was sort of describing in that Wednesday press conference. Uh, with Cyrus Moss, I don't know. I, again, I think that there's some people that feel okay. They feel good. They feel like they're in this. Um, but, I mean, one of his teammates just signed with USC. One of Cyrus Moss's teammates just signed with USC. He obviously took that official visit before he came to Miami. Um, I, I Again, I think the fact that Miami's in this conversation is big, and I'm not trying to play moral victories here or anything like that. Sure. Uh, there's just so, it, it really was just such a small window, and getting him on campus is a win. And uh, can Mario Cristobal finish it off? Pro maybe. I mean, I think it's possible, but um, I'm not sure every, anyone's like extremely confident, or they're keep, or they're staying tight-lipped about it, or they really don't know because maybe Cyrus Moss hasn't informed anyone of his decision. But I think Miami is going to be a factor in this. Um, you know, I think that they're continuing to push as, you know, we creep closer to Friday, David, I know you said this before, every hour counts right now. Like every, yeah. every, every moment matters, every conversation matters. Um, so I think they just got to keep chipping away here and hope that they can, you know, get him over here. And, you know, he's gotten some, I know Miami's gotten an assist from Bubba Bolden and from Brevin Jordan and stuff like that Two Bishop Gorman legends, uh, guys that have had, you know, successful college careers, uh, at Miami from that, you know, power, that national powerhouse in Vegas. So you never know what happens, man. You never know what happens. Another guy that Chris, Mario Cristobal was hinting at during his Wednesday press conference, he said he had just watched film of, what did he say? Like the biggest. Yeah. One of the largest human beings he's ever seen. He's ever seen in his life. Turns out, he was likely talking about Oregon transfer Jason Jones, who I guess entered the portal on Wednesday, right? Mario Cristobal recruited him, landed him at Oregon. Jason Jones is six foot six, 320 pounds. He's a 2020 recruit from the state of Alabama. 
on signing day for his cycle, Oregon flipped him from Alabama. So big, big, big recruiting win by Mario Cristobal and that staff on that day. He was a four-star prospect. I looked up his pro football focus numbers this past year. Um, he played, he was, he was mainly a rotational defensive tackle, played 245 snaps on the year, finished with 19 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. Um, to me, he's, he's like a run defense guy, kind of a space eater. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that you land and you don't worry about North Carolina running for 550 yards against you, right. With the inside run game. Uh, and to me, it would be exciting to think about pairing him on the inside with an athletic guy like Leonard Taylor or oh, Jared yeah. Harrison Hunt, right? Kind of a perfect compliment. So this is kind of new and fresh to us, Gabby. Do you know anything from talking to people yet about Jason Jones and what they're thinking there? Um, uh, I, I haven't heard much about him at this point. Um, but I, again, I do think he's the guy Mario Cristobal was talking about. He hinted at needing to add bodies that'll eat, that'll eat blocks and allow his, their linebackers to make plays. Um, right. I think the six, six and a half, 320 pounder, uh, probably checks that box, especially the fact that Mario Cristobal's coached him before. Right. So, um, you know, I think he's definitely someone that you might want to keep an eye on again. He's from the Southeast. So I don't think it's like, you know, a far-fetched idea that he might want to come play a little bit closer to home and for the coach that he signed to play for. And it also leaked out um, later on Wednesday to Grayson Halton, who is an, a four-star Oregon commit on the defensive line. He's a six-foot-three, 270-pound prospect out of the San Diego area. He's committed to Oregon. I guess he's going to hold off on signing, um, and, and Miami might make a run at him now. The thing that stands out to me, I don't know much about him, right? He's from San Diego, just kind of learning about all these guys here that are popping up new to us. One thing that that I found interesting, he he's 270 pounds and he has a 33-inch vertical. So that's that's explosiveness at his size, 6'3", 270. Probably has some versatility in terms of being able to play inside and outside on the defensive line. So um you know, that, that's another name to know. And then also, too, I think we talked about it in one of the podcasts here earlier this week, but Marcus Banks. Um, yeah. I think another crystal ball came in right after yours on Miami. He's the Alabama cornerback transfer. Is there anything else to know there, you think? Yeah, I don't really know when he's going to sign. Um, I don't, I'm not really sure when he's going to make a decision, but I think he is definitely still a name for – Miami fans to, to sort of keep in mind, to sort of monitor. Again, I think Houston is a team that I've heard has become a factor in this. He's from the Houston area. So okay. I think that there's a, a push to try to get him to stay home. Um, again, I'm not sure if that's Miami's biggest competition, but they could be. I know that uh, he also officially visited Mississippi State, and I think he made a stop at Maryland too. So um, I would definitely keep track of that recruitment. I think Miami's still in the best spot there. Uh, but apparently Houston is making a push. So let's see if uh, Miami can get him over. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, and again, transfers, they can just show up as long as, you know, they can enroll in the classes, whatever the school schedule is for the school that they land at. So he doesn't necessarily have to sign anything during this early signing period. He can just show up and, and enroll at his future school. So let's wrap it up there. Hopefully y'all enjoyed this. Um, again, if any early signing period goes through Friday, so, right? So if there's any good news that pops, I'm sure Gabby and I will have instant reaction podcast. If not, we will prob we will probably have our next podcast early next week, right? Um, both kind of needs to reset a little bit, <laughs> recharge a little bit. It's been a busy uh, month. Um, so again, unless there's big recruiting news or unless there is a big coaching hire, right? Because we're kind of now entering that time uh, of the cycle where Mario is going to start officially announcing his staff. Um, unless those things happen, we will see you guys next week. 
again, appreciate everyone who consumes InsideTheU.com. Uh, Wednesday on signing day, we had over a million page views from people just hammering the site. It's really cool to see the excitement around the program right now that Mario Cristobal is bringing. Um, again, appreciate everyone subscribing here over the last month as well. That support means so, so much to, to Gabby and I and Chris Stock. So uh, thank you, best fans in college football. Until next time, take care.